Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hello. Let me know if you can hear me and my amazing guest. Talk for them for a little bit. Hello. Let us know. Volume okay? Yes, no, maybe so. I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully they can hear us. If that, not, well, again, we're, we're back gonna, to the funny faces. You know, voguing. You know, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, at least it seems like nobody's saying that they can't hear us yet in the chat. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and get this thing going. Oh, yay. F- fantastic. Thank you, Stink Palm. All right. Hello, <laughs> everyone, and welcome to Power Word Talk, where we have introspective discussions with phenomenal writers, artists, and creators to discuss their personal journeys and the amazing work that they do that leaves a positive impact on our community. I am your host, Utihime. And before we chat with our fabulous guest for today, um, I'm going to do my usual brief little shout outs here. Um, I am community manager and producer here at CyberNation Uncensored. We have a wonderful community of just awesome, talented people, um, really, really friendly wonderful welcoming community that we would love you to join so uh, i have the the link to our discord here if you want to go ahead and join our lovely community we would love to have you we have lots of different shows on a weekly basis we try to keep everything updated so please also to be sure to follow us on all the social of the medias because we are everywhere that's including youtube twitch instagram Facebook, everything. So uh, please, please be sure to follow us. Uh, show us some love. Be sure to rate our podcast because we have those too. And I'll put that in there because these also too, our Power Word Talk episodes are in podcast format as well. Um, but uh, yes, we, we, we just appreciate all that you guys do as far as showing uh, support on our weekly shows. Um, we also too have to shout out our amazing sponsors like Sirenscape, Fantasy Ground, Studio Gate, Modifius Entertainment, Lion Banner, and uh, Lake Battle Maps. Uh, lastly, our wonderful patrons. We would not be able to do all the amazing content that we do on a weekly basis if it wasn't for your awesome love and support. So thank you guys so, so much. I'll be keeping an eye on chat as I usually do um, for um, our streams just to see if you have any questions or comments. I'll try to sprinkle those in for our guests. But let's get into it because today we have the wonderful Logan Bowes with us. And I have had the honor of playing in one of his amazing Coyote and Crow campaigns. And he's currently running a campaign here on CyberNation Uncensored every first and third Tuesday of the month. It's been amazing watching that. And if you have not seen it, it's on our YouTube. So please go check it out, comment, and like all of those videos because it is a fantastic group that he gets to lead on this amazing journey uh, through Cahokia. But enough about that. We They want to hear from the man, the legend himself. So if you don't mind uh, letting everyone know your pronouns, who you are, a little bit about yourself, and we're going to get right into it. Sure. My name is Logan, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm an indigenous writer, actor, graphic designer, and a whole bunch of other things from the Absaliga tribe. And I was going to say I had the lovely honor of having you join my table. Because, again, it doesn't matter if I sit here and tell the best story in the world. Without players to do so, I'm just waffling on and on to hear myself talk, which I do (laughs) quite enjoy, but... I mean, that's why you're here, right? Yes. You were like, hey, want to come talk about yourself? I was like, I'm already there. I will wait in line. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. But I'm so happy. I'm really happy that you could join me today. And we want to just get right into basically the beginning of your journey because you've mentioned a lot of different things that you um, do, like the acting, your writing, and your awesome storytelling. So how did that all come about? Which one came first? Were you already writing at a young age or were you involved in theater and um, dramatic arts? Um, well, I think it's pretty obvious looking at me that I was a theater kid, but <laughs> as was I. Uh, but so I like to say that I was changed amidst stacks of role playing games because I was. Um, like literally when I was three or four, my parents were still playing Vampire the Masquerade, the first edition. Oh, wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm. my name is Logan, and I am, in fact, named after Wolverine. So I never had a choice. I was always going to be a nerd. I love uh, that. And I, I kind of blame that for why I'm, like, 5'5", five five, uh, because I just kind of grew into the name and never kept growing. And I am, in fact, short and mad about it. Um, <laughs> so, which is really annoying, because most Absaliga men... Uh, top out around six five, six six, and you know oh I have goodness. a cousin who's like, yeah, I'm I'm the short guy in our family. I'm six one. I'm like, fuck you. I will come <laughs> for your fucking kneecaps, and when I've taken them, I'm gonna punch you in your face. Just like right at the kneecaps, just like <laughs> little stubs. I'm going. I'm gonna climb out an asshole and beat your ass. That's what's about to happen here. All right. <laughs> oh but. My goodness. So, yeah, I was always going to be a nerd. Um, and then as I got a little older, of course, I stole my mom's Vampire the Masquerade books. And I was actually reading them in, uh, like, my very Christian small town high school. Uh, you know, everybody else is sitting around doing science. I'm the kid in the back reading Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> and where did you fun. grow up, by the way? I grew up in a small town in Kansas. Oh, it's called boy. Atchison. Ever been? Don't go. You're not missing anything. <laughs> I was like, I have, a... no, I have not heard of that town, unfortunately. But maybe it's it is, fortunately. The... I don't know. It's got the spirit of Kansas, which is basically that it's uh, the most haunted town in Kansas. And uh, teens a bit of racism, but, Ooh. you know. When I was growing up, the word colored still flew there. Oh, no. Especially if you were over a certain age. Like, oh, that's just grandpa. It's like, oh, yeah, grandpa's something, all right. Uh, <laughs> no but, good. That's, yeah, that's bad. Very bad. Uh, and, of course, I got involved in theater at a certain mm -hmm. age. Um, I think I was 12, 13, 14 when I okay. auditioned for A Midsummer Night's Dream. I was changeling boy. It was delightful. Uh after that, I really joined my towns only because we were mm -hmm. small enough to have just one D&D uh, &D group. And that was back when we were still playing second edition. So, oh, so it's been uh, a long, it's been a while. Then. We were a late adopter. Uh, technically, third was out. I think three, five might have been out. We just hadn't changed over. Eventually, we did change over to three, five. Um, and I just played with them for years and years we played D&D &D, we played vampire werewolf all the old world of darkness mm -hmm. stuff um to this day uh well recently world of darkness has become my second favorite world but i might be a little bit biased um <laughs> but like yeah i i still love the world of darkness i have tattoos from it i've talked at great length about my favorite clans before Maltavian which we will be getting Nosferatu. yes we will be getting into that too now, as far as were you, uh, it's obviously since you were involved with tabletop at a young age, uh, did were you already DMing, GMing, and that kind of got you into the more of the writing uh, area, or was it just the writing came a little bit later after so, all those things? Um, I was a longtime player. The first time our DM didn't show up. Everybody was like, okay, you DM. No, you DM. <laughs> and eventually it was decided I DM because I was the one who couldn't run away fastest and got tagged with the books. Um, literally, one of us took the books and, like, the first one to get touched with them was going to run the game that night. Uh, like hot potato for <laughs> DMing. But around the same time, I was actually – I found this lovely little website called Gaia Online – and I 
role played on that. It's a forum website. At the time, it was dedicated to anime. I'm sure it's still around, though I haven't been on in several years at this point. Uh, but I just did lots of play-by-post role plays for years and years yeah. and years. So I made some really good friends. I'm still in contact with a lot of them, actually. That's um, awesome. And eventually, that kind of I'm like, I'm not a good writer. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, classic creative stuff. And, uh, but eventually it was only, actually it was only during the pandemic that I actually decided, you know what? I made 5,000, I've made multiple 5,000 word posts on Guy Online a day. Neil Gaiman writes a thousand words in a day. I got that topped. If I write 10 times as much, maybe eventually I'll get a book out. Still haven't yet, but had a lot of fun. Yeah, but you're still putting out your work and, and, and writing and doing the thing, which that ta it takes that first step to then get to that point where you're like writing full novels or whatever you're writing, autobiography perhaps. Um, but no, that's that's awesome. So it was like that guy online and, and writing in that forum leading you into more of the writing space. I had no idea. That's awesome. Yeah, and in the middle there, there were several, several years where I was writing for magazines. I was doing uh, mostly copywriting work, um, like writing copy and mm -hmm. editing. I've done so much editing, so much proofwriting. Um, actually, I don't want to say I love it, but it's at least <laughs> easy um, because at that point you're not even writing your own stuff. You're just making sure that what they wrote is mm -hmm. readable. Um, so I've done a lot of that too. Uh, like right now I'm still working with, uh, several publications. Like I'm a regular, regular contributor to a place called a tribe called geek. Um, I occasionally put out stuff in like digital and print magazines. Like I think I've got something coming out in vampire magazine soon. Yeah, I think um, I saw the, the pictures for that, those um, on your website, which I'm going to make sure mm -hmm. to put those links so you can go ahead and follow our amazing guest here. Please and uh, thank you. <laughs> and I think some of those articles are on there. So what, what have been the main focuses for a lot of those pieces? Um, so one of my favorites, uh, just because of the conversations that it started with me personally, um, was there is no Native American Dracula. And I laid out three criteria for what mm -hmm. makes a vampire. Um, I stated that uh, there were, to be a vampire, you had to drink blood, mm -hmm. you had to have been human, and you had to transfer with a bite from human to whatever this thing is. And within indigenous cultures, there isn't anything that ticks all three boxes. Um, there's a couple of things that take two, but, uh, there's nothing that ticked all three. And at a certain point, while there's, while you'll see in mythologies all over the world, repeating patterns, because yeah. people come up with the same kind of fears. And a lot of those myths deal with our fears like that. That's why we have so many dragons all over. Yes. <laughs> um, there's no vampire and to assign a to assign the word vampire to something in mm -hmm. indigenous cultures is to take a eurocentric lens to it yeah and you kind of just continue the cultural erasure mm -hmm. um like there's and indigenous cultures have enough of their own myths and legendary that already doesn't get talked about or only certain parts get talked about like there's so there's much certain, and there's certain cryptids that uh, we all have heard about, yes. which we really shouldn't talk about because, uh, because <laughs> cute Robert Tables. Um, I'll see myself out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it true vampires bite on the neck solely because they I'm are I'm stealing that just romancers. for the record. We'll uh, call it a door fee rather than a uh, ban. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, when you bring up an individual culture, uh, specifically indigenous ones, mm -hmm. there tends to be, like, most people know about the cannibal sky spirit or the uh, mm -hmm. flesh strollers, both of yes. which you shouldn't ever say the names of. 
you shouldn't even really think them if you can avoid them. But that part gets left out of any appearance in modern media. And in a lot of cases, they shouldn't be in those stories because it's not their story. They just needed a Mm -hmm. monster of the week or what have you. And nine times out of ten, a werewolf, a vampire, something else would have done just as well. And there's an argument to be made. Well, at least people are thinking of it. But are they really thinking of it or are they thinking about it like it's as authentic as Taco Bell, basically? Yeah. And being respectful to the fact that, you know, if you're not supposed to mention these, like it's it's a cultural thing. And to basically bring it up in such a, a, a public way, that's a violation of, you know, just... Mm-hmm. I feel like someone else's culture that you you're saying that you appreciate, but you're actually doing the opposite. <laughs> oh, Which, absolutely. I think that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, and, <laughs> and, but it's, it's important for people to be aware. Absolutely. And it's the kind of thing where for the longest time I said, well, poor representation is better than none. And I said that pretty much right up until 2020 because that's when we actually started to see good representation. Mm-hmm. That's when we started to see things like Reservoir Dogs and yeah. um, Tannis from Letterkenny. And actually, she came out several years before that. And there's so many other things. How did like, you feel about Prey, by the way? I fucking loved Prey. Prey was amazing. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I watched it in the Comanche dub because... Uh, I didn't even know that was that was an option. Yes, it is. Oh, I want to um, rewatch it because it was so good. It was so well done and so beautifully shot. Oh, it really was, and it made so many people so mad. Um, I'm sure. And they're like, "How could uh, how could this one little girl with sticks and stones, when you know this commando with all the modern tech?" I'm like, "Okay, number one, your problem here is that she can't do it with flint and stone, like." Arnold's tech, it's made pretty explicit. Like, modern-day firearm technology against the Predator might as well be sticks and stones. Mm -hmm. It's so far advanced that there's literally, like, no difference between a rock and uh, multiple bullets from whatever gun he had. I don't care. Um, (laughs) But, yes, um, I loved... That's, I think, the most important thing about it, that it was made available in a Comanche dub. Awesome. And you can't just go into – you actually have to look on Hulu for the Comanche dub. Okay. It's a separate That's why. video. Got it. Um, and it's, it's a really important thing. I think it's a really important step because it's part of that push for better representation um, just because so many native languages have been lost to time. Yeah. And, um, like, I can tell you that the Absalaga – or at least the Absalaga have a language conservancy. They have a push to get their language digitized mm-hmm. and make it more available um, because we lost so many native-speaking elders to COVID. Yeah. Um, and different tribes lost different people, but you're already staring at... Native languages are already endangered, number one. And there's hundreds that are literally extinct or close to extinct. And I think anything like the Comanche dub is something that is incredibly crucial towards uh, the survival of the culture because, as my native language instructor said, when you lose the language, you lose the culture. And I think that that is... mm -hmm, um, Because it's one of the first things that, well, even in the residential schools, they would teach you not to speak your language because in taking away that language you take away the culture and this is true in so many other instances which i am not qualified to speak on but they exist um and uh yeah there is um so robert tables that's something that's been brought up a couple of times uh what's a good way to bring out these stories i actually got asked that at gen con um were you there at the time, uh, Udihime, or was that when I was talking to them later? Uh, when the lovely white couple came up after I was talking to... Uh... I think that was after. I think that okay. I missed that conversation, but I would love to kind of hear uh, your take on that for sure. So, um, ah, so 
what's a good way to bring it up? I had this question asked at Gen Con, and my first response is don't. Um, when you're talking about things that you're specifically not supposed to bring the names up, don't use those things. But if you feel like you absolutely have to, if this story serves them and they are the only monster, the only enemy that gets across your narrative, don't use the name. Mm-hmm. Don't use the name. Um, give them a different name if you can. But just don't use the name because – and honestly, that makes something scarier anyway because if you say, oh, the thing over there is a werewolf, that's a lot less scary than saying it's a blood-starved beast. Um, or like the nameless you're like, mm-hmm. what is the nameless? Like, what does that mean? Why you, is it nameless? Nine times out of ten, if you just describe something, it is so much scarier than if you just use a name. If you describe how something appears human and then it twists and becomes something bigger, something more monstrous, and it hulks over you with sharp fangs dripping and, you know, claws the size of knives just inching towards you. That's a lot scarier than mm-hmm. just saying the werewolf is coming towards you. And that's what you can do yeah. um, when you're using that story. Session zeros are an amazing way because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I am a native voice. I am not yeah. speaking for everyone. And there's different arguments and people will say, well, we can leave certain parts out if it keeps the culture intact. And That's an argument that I am not going to sit here and say, nope, that's wrong. (laughs) No. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it also, Uh, too, is brought up in the Coyote and Crow book where there's a whole like where it's usually on a side section where mm -hmm. it kind of talks about for uh, Mm -hmm. non-native players and uh, GMs or story story guides, how to kind of go about doing things in a very respectful way, which I think is always important. And I, I really love that that's, that's there. So then that way, you know, people who are, you don't have to be afraid to, oh, absolutely. to, to uh, do these stories uh, that take place in, in, you know, in a colonized world, you don't have to shy away from it because you're like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not native. So, you know, it's like, no, it's, there's a way to do it and not be, not it'd be respectful to the culture and to the people absolutely and i'm actually really glad you brought that up because that's one of the uh things that people that keeps people from playing coyote and crow um it's oh well i don't want to play brown face all right you're not yeah we are literally throwing open the doors and saying come in join us Mm -hmm. let us show you and there's a lot of things throughout the book and honestly the big rule i have for it is be as respectful as you can. Mm-hmm. If And I've met people like this. I have met people who legitimately thought that Native Americans either didn't exist or no longer existed, yeah. that we were made up or extinct. And I have met almost a dozen people who have gone through the American education system and believed one or the two or some combination thereof. And as ridiculous as that might sound, but anyway... If you are a group in Ohio and you are a group of, you know, people who have never had any experience with these people um, and the only experience you have had with Native Americans is that scene in Peter Pan. And so to you, the most respectful thing you can think of is to cover your safe and red face paint. I'm not going to get too mad because you don't know. You don't know. And we do our best in the book to, you know, kind of explain it, explain. But at the end of the day, if you're making an honest attempt, I, and a lot of other people in the community <laughs> went straight to Ohio. Yeah, uh, I've got like, much, it's like, wait, you're hurting me. I'm in Ohio. <laughs> I've got much you're, worse you're not, associations with uh, Kansas. <laughs> I at Literally. least think Ohioans can be taught. Um, but, so I'm not going to get too mad. Most other people aren't going to get too mad. We're going to we're going to try and make it better, but we're not going to like sit here yeah. and uh crucify you over it because we're natives, we have better things than crucifixion. I'm kidding. Somewhat. <laughs> um but yeah, and yeah. I think if that's one of the things stopping you from playing Coyote and Crow, I appreciate that 100%. Um but please play the game. Yes. Please. It can only help. Yeah. 
Um, and it's a good way to like learn more. And, and, it is. and it's a combination of various, uh, you know, uh, indigenous communities who contributed to the book. And so you have a lot of there's that, you know, overlapping of some some uh, some of the, the different traditions kind of being similar and some being different. But, you know, it all being shared within the world uh, lore, which is amazing. Um, and I know that you are very I mean, obviously, and you, we've been talking about it already for, uh, you know, for a little while, as far as just like you being, you know, very proud of your um, heritage and how much that kind of that has always been basically an inspiration for your work and an influence. At least that's what I'm feeling. Um, it really has. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I knew that I was different because mm -hmm. everyone around me was kind enough to let me know. Um, they do. They really make it clear. <laughs> they do, especially in places like Kansas, because you don't see a lot of faces like this. And this isn't even like um, that obviously native. I mean, it, I am obviously native for anybody who cares. But in those places, they tell you from the time that you're very small, that you're strange, you're weird. Mm -hmm. I thought for years that I had broken my nose and forgot about it. It wasn't until I was a full-grown man two years ago in my 30s that I figured out this is called a Roman nose, mm -hmm. and it's just how certain noses grow. Yep. And it's – I've had so many experiences like that. You know, I love to tell the story about the first time I realized that I was actually a POC because uh, I was sitting in a group, my favorite acting troupe in Los Angeles, and – the director was talking about and we're finally getting some more poc in here and i'm looking around and i'm like oh we have a poc who's that and every face turns towards me not really sure if i'm making a joke and i'm like oh 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 mm -hmm. oh and i'm suddenly sitting there and like oh wait that explains a lot <laughs> because i knew that native americans were people of color and i knew i was native american yeah. i never put two and two together to get four. I had two and I had two and those are some pretty twos. Uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. and it's, it's something that, you know, my mother explained when I was <coughs> still a child because mm -hmm. Pocahontas came out cause that was representation for the longest time. It was. I, I remember and, uh, being like that was the first time I saw any character that looked like me <coughs> and not understanding even as someone who is part native, just obviously we know why there's so many issues with Pocahontas. But at the time, it was just having that desperation for like there's there's anything. a character that looks like me like, you know, and so you get excited and you dress up and you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah, this is, you know this is a part of our culture, but then it's like, but and then you get older and you find out we, a little bit more about Pocahontas yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're like, Oh, oh damn. boy. Yeah. And then you think she was even more ridiculous within the narrative of the story, assuming it was all unproblematic that she chose John Smith over, over Pocahontas. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. And Coco uh, and was hot. I'm just putting that out there. Just saying. Agreed. <laughs> but Actually, Pocahontas was the second time I saw a face like mine um, because I was lucky. The video store where I grew up had old copies of Brave Star, um, which is an old filmation program. Mm -hmm. Came out right after He-Man, and it features a uh, Native American lawman in on the planet of New Texas. And it's not the best, but it's a lot better than you'd expect representation-wise and more progressive than the 80s would have you believe. Um, and I got to see that, and I fucking loved it. Um, and Pocahontas came out, and Mom explained, like, no, you're Native American, and uh, you're Crow Tribe. Um, and she tried to explain more, but she was basically a stolen child. Uh, so she didn't have a whole lot of explanation. That was before she ever got a chance to reconnect. Um, and it's just, it is a thing that influences uh, a lot of my work because it's a thing that influences a lot of my life. 
-hmm. a lot more of my life than I realized because, you know, growing up, I'd be walking around with friends and, you know, the friendly small town cops would talk and they'd always talk to me and I just thought they were being friendly. Uh, the fact that I was the most melanated in the group never quite trickled in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just one of those things that looking back, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe that's why I have so many uh, speeding tickets. Yeah, and you're like, ooh, okay, putting these together. Yeah, but so, and also, um, I like to call myself a kitiwe, which is a word for storyteller in the Crow language. And um, it's one that the Crow, like most others, are ones where you get a name, and I've never been through a naming ceremony. So it might be completely. Uh, Forfeiture. It might be complete fraud, I think, to use that name for myself. But I, I call myself uh rather than the. Um, and it's at least partially because it's a way I can keep sharing and doing my part, you know. There's a saying that people in the witchy circles, the manifestation circles, have started saying that the ancestors have prepared a place for you and you have but to bring yourself in line to it. I probably butchering it but regardless um and as soon as i started uh doing that life started working out a lot better for me mm -hmm. i started going through and taking the crow language course because it was the first year they offered it online and i'm still not really good but i'm much better than i was yeah. <laughs> um it's all about those steps <laughs> to get there and i'm as i'm going through and reconnecting just the more I get into it, the more I do, the more I work with that, the more that, because at this point, I've got a very teeny tiny platform. Like, I can't even stand on it. I can kind of, like, hang off of it with the edge of my fingers. So not really a platform, more like a ledge. Um, I, but I don't still... agree with that. I feel like other people in the chat would agree that you are you are making an impact on the community. Hence why you're on this show, because you I are a voice. I appreciate that. For all of us, and people who are indigenous and who don't feel represented and just being at the forefront is so important. It's I wouldn't like, even say I'm at the forefront. I'm 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 somewhere in there, sure, but I'm <laughs> there are much louder voices than me. I just I am a very loud person. Um, not even by nature, just because uh And Pluto Cleric says you are making an impact. I agree. Thank you, Pluto. <laughs> um but it, just because I'm I'm loud, and among other things, I'm male, and so that means that I still do have at least some small measure of privilege, even, you know, not being, uh, you know, perfectly white. So I can at least be loud in public spaces yes. and be like, <laughs> no, no, I would like to uh, say my piece now. Mm -hmm. And also, <laughs> again, as I've said, I'm kind of a narcissist. I like to hear myself talk. <laughs> And I don't know if you can tell because I hide it really well, but I'm pretty dramatic. Um, what? No. And so, like, if I get a spotlight, I'm like, no, no the stage is mine, and you're going to wait until I'm done with my show. Uh, <laughs> which is basically how I sell because I work with makeup companies, too. Um, yes, you know, Vampire Cosmetics is one Yes, of them. Vampire Cosmetics. They're a wonderful company. They've treated me very well. I love working with them, and I love selling for them. Um, and you've done some of the graphic design uh, work, I have, correct? I have. I also, every, not these days, but for a long, long time, every word they ever put out, I had at least edited if I hadn't written it. Mm -hmm. um, but, and it's interesting because I've done a couple other things in life. Like, I've been a salesman, I've been a canvasser, I've done this, that, and the other. And um, I, I love... Uh, something that they taught me when you're a canvasser is that a narrative, a story, is an important part of any sales pitch. Um, and I knew that when you're selling person to person, that it works out better if you make an experience. I have sold so many makeup palettes to people who I know they went home and immediately put it on a shelf and will never touch it again mm. because they bought the experience. They bought... Um, they bought me, uh, <laughs> and uh, you that's sold a very, it. you sold it. Yes. And, but 
part of that is the storytelling mm -hmm. that goes into it. And what they teach you when you're a canvasser is that you're trying to make the person feel like the hero of the story. And, you know, I worked with companies that worked with good companies like Amnesty International. I uh, saved the children, a couple others. Um, and they teach you that one of the things that you have to remember is that you are doing a good thing in the world. Yes, you're trying to get people's money, but you're not trying to convert anyone. You're not going hard, but you do better when you make them feel good about it because you're doing a good thing. Yes. And it is such a huge part of not just that, because I started thinking from that, that storytelling is such a huge part of our lives. How many days go by where we don't tell some kind of story? Even, you know, on those days when we're standing in the mirror and we're hunched over and, you know, maybe we're hungover, maybe it's just <laughs> a bad morning and we don't yeah. want to go to work. And you look up at the mirror and you're like, you're going to do it and you're going to be great because you don't have a goddamn choice. That's a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go to work and night, when you're talking to people, a lot of the times you're just telling a story. You're just telling a story about what happened last night. You're telling a joke. A joke is a story that's funny. And it really is just a part of life that sinks in to everything. Um, one of my best friends uh, once called me an undercaffeinated BS artist, and I've just <laughs> globbed onto that and kept it ever since because, well, I mean, what else is a storyteller but undercaffeinated BS artist? And God knows I am constantly <laughs> undercaffeinated. Hello, Crafty Kaiju. Hello, hello. Welcome in. Think and of every meeting with your boss, every presentation, everyone. Exactly. Telling story. That's true. The wine lipsticks are, okay, I will say I'm not wearing it today, but I've been wearing those a lot because they are, they again, and I will say that Logan sold me on it because of the fact that it's like, look, and it's, you see, it's not smearing. It's long lasting. Like, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is great. Especially if you wear a mask, you don't have to worry about it. I'm like, okay. But it worked. It worked, you guys. Like, cause I have those and I absolutely love, I love it. And the eyeshadows are amazing too. Just saying those palettes, the color, oh, yeah, absolutely. the color output, fantastic. And whether it's sales, a lecture, a presentation, talking to your boss, asking for a race, all of it's a story. It's literally just standing there. And yeah. that's the difference between, you know, those boring teachers we all hate. And it's just giving you numbers and dates and, oh, my God, kill me. Versus <laughs> the yes. teachers we remember because they're better storytellers. That's true. You have your favorite um, teachers for sure. <laughs> now, the good were you were any of those teachers like I, I want to know who were your biggest inspirations growing up um, <laughs> and or if it was just fandoms like fandoms that influence I know you mentioned X-Men which X-Men was a big one for me because I felt like a mutant because I was mixed and I didn't fit in anywhere and I was a weirdo so I was like these mutants are like me <laughs> I'm one with the these are my people even though they're like obviously in a comic book but I felt that they were relatable because that's how I felt. But um, I'm curious for you, who were your inspirations? So um, obviously, yeah, Wolverine did uh, shape at least part of my life. Again, I am convinced that's why I'm short and mad about it. Um, <laughs> but also, so my biggest influence, I love to say that um, because I live, I live and work, I've literally lived and worked in Hollywood before. I've met a lot of people. Um, I've never had a problem talking to almost anyone. There is one person who would shut me up by their appearance, and that's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> and Neil Gaiman is, like, the only person in the world that I would be... <laughs> um, and, like, I've met some of my favorite artists, like my friend Bill was yes. half of Nox Arcana, and that was one of my favorite bands growing up. Um, maybe not growing up, but at least in my teenage yeah. years. And I I absolutely loved their work because I would have that on while I was uh, I was so writing on Guy Online, especially, mm -hmm. uh, writing for different characters. And when we got to Los Angeles, I happened to get a chance to talk to him. He's become one of my very best friends. I actually was selling Such for him sweetheart. for a little while 
at uh, conventions, and um, I loved pulling a trick where I would, oh, yeah, the people would come up, and I'm like, you like Narc's Arcana? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, he's such a sweetheart. Oh, my God, you know him? And he's standing over here. He's <laughs> a person, and I'm like, yeah, he's a great guy. He's right here. And so many times the people would go, <gasps> and not be able to talk. Yeah. And, ah! <laughs> look who's oh, in the chat. Oh, look at, oh! And uh, we, we summoned you. <laughs> I am powerful. Look at that. We're just and thank you, Occupational you. Hazard. Yes, I am, actually. Um, and the only person for who that I know of that I can think of who would make me do that is Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. uh, second would be, um, oh, God, he's one of my favorite authors. I can't, uh, Alan Moore. It took okay. me a second. And he's a much Anything. scarier individual, but he's I feel so like scary. I could talk to him. Oh, yeah, you know, big brooding. Yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman's this tiny guy, but Neil Gaiman um, is just my my biggest inspiration as an author, as a writer, as a creative. Um, I love reading his stuff, and it does help that he is so active in talking to his fans. And I've read not every word that he's ever written, because God, the man's prolific. Um, <laughs> but I've read a lot of them, and he is inspirational, but... Other than that, uh, one of my biggest favorites, so I'm a huge dork, and when I was growing up, my favorite stories, like the ones I was like, I want to be these people, were the Knights of the Round Table. Wow, okay. Was there like, a particular uh, knight? Um, Galahad, actually. Galahad, oh. And why is he, that? I want to know. He was... Okay, so Lancelot was the strongest. King Arthur was the mm -hmm. leader. Galahad was the one who was pure. Galahad, yes. where Lancelot could consider be considered a trope namer for nice guy TM. Uh, Galahad was an actual nice guy, and that appealed to me. Um, you know, that was before I was a teenager, and I was a shithead, and maybe even a borderline <laughs> incel for a little while. Um Growing up in Kansas does terrible things to you. Uh, but, like, <laughs> and after that, I think my biggest uh, influence was Ben Franklin. Um, because I would not have my, expected you to say Ben Franklin. He was my favorite founding father because I, I heard an anecdotal story, and I okay. have no idea if this is historically accurate, mm -hmm. but someone once said, hey, you know, do you ever think about running for politics? And the idea frightened him so much, he ran away to France and almost never came back, spent the entire time there just being positively Dionysian, partying, banging, and just <laughs> getting paid for it. And I'm like, okay, that sounds awesome. I am down with that. <laughs> I love that that's, that, that was the, what, the story that was like sold you. That, that was it. <laughs> now like, I need a – is there a movie – that talks about, like, now I need a movie that focuses on this whole experience of party, party, party boy Franklin. That's, that's what there I There isn't, but there really should be, actually, come to think of it. Um, I'm like, now I'm like, is that why they say when you make it rain, the Franklins? Is that why? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just I'm kidding. almost convinced that's why he's on the $100 bill. Because right? he was. Like, make it rain. <clears throat> because he was the exact opposite of an austerity politics person. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I don't know about that, but you can find all sorts of treatises on why uh, you should take an older woman as a uh, mistress. Ooh. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> now, going back to um, getting in, into uh, more of the Coyote and Crow, because now you have been working um, with the team there. And mm -hmm. can you kind of share as far as uh, what it is that you do? I know that you also, too, wrote stories for them. But, you know, are you there in a different capacity as well, um, you know, with? So right now I call myself a contributing writer because I've worked mm -hmm. pretty heavily with uh, Connor and some of the other team. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done a lot. Like, I'm the one who wrote there, uh, actually with Connor's help, uh, the errata. And I've written a couple of stories and I'm involved with a couple other things behind the scenes. Um, like, I am, I, I can't say too much more, but I can mm -hmm. say that uh, if you go to conventions, um, if you've ever been to conventions for Coyote and Crow, you would have seen this mug. 
st- telling stories. If you go online, chances are pretty good. If it's involved officially at all, you'll see this mug. And chances are pretty good that going forward, you're going to see this mug for anything telling stories <laughs> in Coyote and Crow spaces. Like, And you did some uh, story storytelling at uh, Gen Con as well. I did. Oh, God, I love that. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Gen Con storytelling because not everybody who signed up knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. And the people who didn't, um, afterwards, they were like, can we buy this book and I was like unfortunately you can't hear but go to the website and you can get it there um, and it's really good knowing that you gave someone an experience yeah. strong enough that they then want to go and buy the book and experience the stories and the culture and That's they want to make it their own and I'm I'm working on a couple other things uh, behind the scenes that um... <laughs> yeah I was looking at the um... Thank you, Robert. So there's a lot of crying. Um, there's <laughs> yes. a oh, lot of... Oh, by the of... way, for those who might be listening later on um, or right now and can't see uh, see the, the chat, Robert Tables asked, what's, what, is the, uh, what is it uh, day-to-day, uh, week-to-week experience of a writer? Uh, what, dead, what are deadlines like? How do you submit things? What tools are common? Just so then that way everyone is on the same So page. I've done a lot of different kinds of writing. I've written for publications. I've written freelance. I've written um, in-house. I've done copywriting. I've done narrative. I've done persuasive. I've done sales. I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're dealing with pe- – deadlines are different, um, but one of the strongest things you can do is be like, I am quick with a deadline. And – the second best thing you can do is be like, I am communicative because most of the time deadlines can be expanded by a little bit. Maybe you should never go in with the idea of that, but Mm -hmm. um, people understand that you're a person. And the sooner you can tell someone, Hey, I looked at my timeline. I'm not going to get this done by the deadline. Or if I do, it's going to be really shitty. A lot of times people will say, Hey, thanks for, you know, take another few days, take a week. Uh, thanks for being so because the amount of times that people just get to the deadline and they've known for a week that they're not going to get done and they don't, you know, tell the person now, you know, typically yes. you've got uh, not just the person you're working with, but chances are the client has someone over here waiting for it and someone over here waiting for it, especially if you're writing as part of a team, you know, you've got a letterer or you've got a layout person who's waiting on it. And if they knew that they weren't going to have it, they could have, you know, changed focus and worked with someone else. And then, you know, it just took yours, but now they don't have it. And now you're not just fucking up your timeline and somebody else's, you're fucking up potential entire companies. And like life happens. Most people understand that most, not everyone. And again, depending on the situation and the company. uh, And like I said, there's a lot of crying. I spend, (laughs) Oh, I'm actually a pretty fast writer when I get down to it. Um, and bad news early is way better than unfinished at the finish line. God, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's true for everything. That's a perfect yes. way to say it. But uh, so I'm actually a pretty fast writer because I spend, and this is something else that Neil talks about that I love, uh, I spend hours and hours staring at a blank page and doing nothing, and I'm never going to do this. I can't do this. Why am I trying? I just need to go get a job at McDonald's. Fuck! <laughs> I have no marketable skills. Oh. Everything is terrible. Um, but Neil Gaiman said that, you know, and then the next day, I got it done very quickly, but I couldn't have got there without going through the first part, and that's mm-hmm. very true for me as well, that I cannot get to the point where everything flows and it comes out easy without yeah. suffering terribly. And as for what tools are common... Uh, Microsoft Word, mm-hmm. Google, uh, I prefer Google to Microsoft if it comes down to it, but, you know, um, Slack, oh, everybody loves Slack, I hate Slack, I hate Slack, I don't I'm know why. I'm still learning Slack, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert on Slack. <laughs> um, I can do it, I use it, but honestly, most of the time, Discord is better functionality for what they're asking, and it's like, why don't we just use that? Oh, because Discord's just for gaming. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, and, you know, Airtable is another workflow app that's pretty common. Um, there's a bunch of them. And different yeah. people, different companies different have different things. And I'm 
kind of a chameleon in that I I grew up poor, so I did grow up with the mindset of I agree to everything and figure out how to get it done, even if it's gonna suck. Um, oh, that's relatable. That is so relatable right there. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying to get better about that, but yeah, we were that's talking what that's about like. that balance, like finding that balance. It's like we want to say yes to everything, but then you also too don't want to burn out. And you, you don't burn want to burn out, out so and at the quickly. end of the day, you still need to eat. Yes. Food. Unfortunately. Food. <laughs> now, okay, this kind of leads into, uh, since, you know, Robert was talking about more of the writing aspect, but just in general, this is something that I've been asking every guest, and it's something that it's going to be a, a common thread because everybody has a different answer, and I think that's the beauty because everyone's journey is so different. Um what is the best advice? And it could be, it doesn't matter if it's acting, um, if it was for writing, if it was within the TTRPG space, what is the best advice you've received? Honestly, the best advice I received is um, from my friend, uh, Rachel. And um, she's another writer and I, I know a ton of Rachel's. And, um, but, uh, she told me that no matter what, you can all get something on the page because you can always edit it later, but you can never edit a blank page. Ooh. And I'm like, that's, that's so right. So literally so there are times right. that I will just sit there and type out absolute nonsense and maybe somehow I'll, stumble into something but at the very least it's not as intimidating as the blank page um like even if i'm staring at uh even if i'm staring at lorem ipsum dolor uh that's less intimidating than the blank page i i don't use that anymore but i did that was one of the first things i did was fuck it throw <laughs> lorem ipsum in there and just go from there uh but yeah nine times out of ten your first draft isn't going to be your last. So if you can, uh, yeah, exactly, Bill. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get something down, it doesn't matter if it's yes. crappy because you've still got time to fix it. And yeah, a blank canvas is terrifying. A blank canvas is maybe a little different. I'm not a painter. I'm not real mm -hmm. visual, which bothers me sometimes, but um I don't know if you can go through and edit a painting. Uh, not without a lot of whiteout. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but when it comes to writing, at least before you publish it, uh, and I've been on your side of the interviewing often enough that I got to ask this of a very well-known writer once, like, after you publish it, nine times out of ten, you can't go back and you can't change it. But before then, yes. before then, everything is changeable. Everything is editable. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm still editing a piece that I, and I, I don't, that, it's really hard for me to go back to a piece that I yes. thought was done and then be like, okay, got to come back to this now. I hate it. It's like stress. Uh, uh, it's that feeling. Uh, uh. But yeah, YOLO driven first draft. I love that. <laughs> but it's, tr it's so true. It's like just putting pen to paper or you know or if you're you know if you're someone who writes things out or if you're someone who is at the computer it's just i think that also too that goes back to wanting it to be perfect right away when it's a process <laughs> from start to finish it's not just like and perfection right i mean it i mean it's who knows they could be that's amazing if that's how you know some people are just like you know they think about it and then bam it's just no editing is needed nothing is needed to be done but that's i don't think i've ever heard of anyone who is a writer who said that that's the situation that they're just like i that was it perfect i was once told writing is the easiest thing in the world and if he's never done it anything with it he's never going to do anything with it and that fucked me up for years because that was from somebody who was involved with something that i really loved oh, and okay um i'm not going to say too much more about it than that but that was so disheartening mm -hmm. and these days i look back at it and so many people have told me no that person was insane and i'm like oh well you know old entitled people tend to be so uh, yeah and i, I kind of refiled it under 
if you're not depending on if you've got enough money in the bank account to mm-hmm. eat tonight yeah it's probably a lot easier yeah for sure and since then um that's been something uh ooh, i like that nothing exists until the dm wills it i prefer to phrase that as i am god but <laughs> or say in in the language that i'm used to you saying it in like badatia which it, means that just God. has a diff, it just has a different uh, flavor too. <laughs> it does, uh, <laughs> and that is something that I do love to say um, to my players any any time I'm playing. It's like I am God, and that's a good thing and a bad thing for them because I've got a very simple way of dealing with rule kerfuffles. Mm-hmm. Thirty seconds, and if we can't come to an agreement, I am God. This is how we're doing it now. We'll look it up in the book after. Um, just because I'm not going to, the book is a guideline, even mm-hmm. Coyote and Crow. Yes. I am God. And this is how we're doing <laughs> it this time. Um, because I think that that way we can get back to having fun a lot more quickly than That's if true. we have to sit here and look up how big your fireball actually is going to be. And, Spend you know, I think all that time looking that up and, and figuring out the parameters of the spell and everything. And I else. think that's just a lot better for everyone. You know? Oh, yeah. Especially for the story. Mm. Going back to that. Everything is about a story. Yes. Now, uh, you know, before we wrap things up, I want to talk about the fact that you obviously, which I hope that some of you guys in chat have already been watching, you are running a fantastic Coyote and Crow campaign on our channel. Um, And it's, again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it's always a joy to watch you guys um, and telling the story together because it is joint storytelling. It really is. Uh, can you share a little bit about the story that you're telling for those who may not have seen it yet? Um, kind of the premise of the story and like maybe if there's some non-spoiler stuff to kind of like sure. keep an eye out for in the next uh, few episodes or so. So right now we are running through sort of an expanded version of uh, the story I wrote for Stories of the Freelands. And um, I say expanded because really all I'm doing is letting the players talk and explore more than they might. I wrote it with the idea that uh, it could serve as kind of an intro to Cahokia where people could go from one end to the other trying to figure out this mystery. Um, And the basic premise is that a comedian, which in the world of Coyote and Crow is much more important Mm -hmm. because comedians are healers, comedians are respected individuals in a community, a comedian has been accused of something and it's up to the players to try to clear his name. And before all is said and done, the players, uh, players get in some interesting situations where they have to answer some questions because I love, love hard questions. Um, and yeah, yeah. I've been victim to some of those hard questions before. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, although the question seems if the question is do the do does this person need stabbing Komeha's answer seems to be yes yes it's always the stabby stab always the stabby stab it says uh, Robert Table says to the story the DM and GM has to tell has a story to tell but the players have a story to make where do you find balance between essential beats versus player agency so to answer very quickly because I don't know how much time we have left oh we still we still have a little bit of time okay okay so in which case, the way I prepare for a game isn't as much as other people do. I spend a lot more time thinking than I do necessarily writing down. Because when I go in and I'm running for a group, I I do have story beats. And that's exactly how I describe it. Mm-hmm. I've got story beats. I want A to happen. I want B to happen. I want C to happen. Um, and the way I deal with it is... I don't write down too much ahead of time. Like, I'll have names, I'll have characters that I want to introduce, and I'll have points I want them to get to. Um, But I also love to tell them that, hey, it's your story. You want to go hunt dragon eggs all game, we can do that. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, Udhima's heard that a couple of times at this point. Um, (laughs) And I I just build the world around them. yeah, if we can, we're still going to hit my story beats, and that's why I love leaving them as beats rather than this is what's going to happen, because if they're just beats, that can happen almost anywhere, unless they do something really crazy, which, you know, players are going to fucking do anyway. Uh, But 
I, um, and writing modules, writing mm-hmm. modules is a little different. I like to do uh, the threefold path, which is basically players get three options, and then hopefully between those, uh, you know, story guides running it later can kind of figure out what they want to do. But yeah, I just like building it around them. Um, I might ha- decide they're going to meet this person and they're going to meet this person and maybe they'll have a fight here and, you know, maybe they come across this individual here. And originally I might, you know, figure, oh, this is totally going to happen in an office building. And then it happens at a coffee shop, <laughs> um, which, okay. That sounds familiar. Does it? <laughs> but, you know, because the players are going to have fun yeah. and I think that's why we're doing this. Um, I'm a big proponent of the story, and you're going to get a better story that way. Uh, just because this is a collaborative game. It, it doesn't matter which one we're talking about. D&D, uh, Coyote and Crow, Vampire the Masquerade. Maybe Vampire, depending on the game. Uh, it's collaborative game, even if we're trying to screw each other over. Um, <laughs> we're telling... Another way I love to say it is that we're telling a story about each other to each other. Um, Because if it becomes a one-person show, whether that's one of the players or the story guide, storyteller, that's not as fun. Like, you are not here to go through my story. I am here to tell yours. That's how I view it. I love that. And that's a perfect perfect thing to end on because I think that, again – I, I love that, you know, that's, that is it. It's really about the, the, the teamwork and the collaborative storytelling that makes it such a fun experience and why we keep going back to tabletop games or games in general. It's so much fun. Um, I'm so sad that we're out of time for today. I, I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to just sit down and chat with us because this is so much fun. I say this all the time, but literally I, most of the, all of you guys who have been on the show so far, we could go on for like multiple hours, <laughs> but we only have the one, but that just means that we have to bring you back at some point. We got to do it. Um, but in the meantime, so, so people can, and I have uh, already put the information, but I'll put it again in the chat so you can go ahead and support Logan um, everywhere on the social medias and also his website to see his amazing work. But if you could please let everyone know again where they can find you and then also to any projects, because I know you have some that are coming up that obviously don't, you know, anything with an NDA will, you know, ixnay on that. But anything else you can share with us? So uh, I can be found at... You've got my website there. That's my portfolio. That's where I like to direct people towards. Here's what I can do, and I actually really need to update it. Um, I can be found at Instagram, Logan Bose. That's kind of the one that I've been trying to build out a little more. I should probably do a little more with Twitter, but I'm kind of a grandpa. I can be found at Akichiwe. Um, and I've got a couple of interesting projects coming up. I've got something. Uh, I'm always doing stuff with Coyote and Crow, even if it's just streaming and running games. Um and I know Coyote and Crow has a lot of things coming out in the near future, so keep your eye up for that. Um, uh, like, I know that Connor just posted a GoFundMe for um, helping to keep the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is super important. So if you want to do that, that's wonderful, too. Um, but other than that, like, I've got most everything I'm doing right now is kind of still in the early stages of uh, I shouldn't talk about it yet. But there is a lot coming out, so uh, keep watching me because God knows I love stalkers. Um, <laughs> I will literally strike a pose. You come to my window. I oh, won't no. guarantee that I'm not going to start the 70s Don't. porn music, yeah. <laughs> but that's on you. At that point, you've already joined in. Don't be a creep, guys. Just don't, like, do the 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 not-so-stalkery, creepy thing of going to his window. Is it stalking if I've invited? <laughs> That's I mean, is that, that half of why we play vampire? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, yeah when it, definitely for VTM. I think that there's a whole other rule that applies for that. And uh, yes, yeah. uh, just because I know you kind of asked earlier, Malkavian first, Nosferatu second, Bruja third, though I've got a friend who makes a much better Bruja permagen than I do. Koro, uh, you're wonderful. Amazing. (laughs) Well, don't forget too. There's a there's a few streams coming up. Yes. 
Yes, I every first and third Sunday, every first and third Tuesday, I can be found running for right here on this channel for my wonderful group. Um, and then I've got Survive the Nightfall coming up for the Initiative Order on the 9th. And then I've got a few other streams that I generally post about on my Instagram a few days beforehand. Yay. So that's probably the best one to follow me at. Yes, so be sure to follow everywhere. Uh, follow Logan and uh, basically look out for these awesome announcements that are on the way. Okay, folks, uh, Power Word Talk will continue over on Twitch.tv Sirenscape where I'll be chatting with the amazing uh, team that Rob leads through this epic uh, Cyberpunk Red campaign, uh, Team Sirenscape. That's going to begin at 4 p.m. Pacific time over there. Um, and it's going to be another uh, fun, fun chat. This is the second part of my chat with them, so we're going to get a little bit more into the juicy campaign details uh, and, and uh, a little bit more into their characters as well. Also a reminder to tune in to GM Raven's awesome Cyberpunk High Riders game, 5 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow, so be sure to support uh, their game as well. But I thank you all for all of the awesome positivity and good vibes in chat. Thank you so much. And uh, again, happy Native American Heritage Month, everybody. It's continuing on. We're going to have some more amazing, amazing indigenous creators, writers, and artists on. So stay tuned. Uh, and until next time, remember, we're going over to Sirenscape, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Till next time, guys. Bye. Chinook Theorigawak. Thank you.